Welcome to the Born to Write podcast, dedicated to writers, authors, and the art of storytelling. Go behind the scenes where writers reveal their ups and downs and how they finally shared their stories with the world. Now, here is your host, Azul Tarones. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. I'm Azul Tarones, your host today. Today, we have a special guest, a dear friend of mine who's a two-time USA bestselling author, Brian Cohen. He loves spending time with his family. I know this because I see those wonderful pictures. And he, <laughs> he also he also is a well-known person here in the publishing world. That he has a wonderful show called Sell More Book Show, and he's a CEO of Best Page Ford. Brian and his team have written over 2,000 book descriptions. I just can't even fathom writing two. So Brian's books have sold <laughs> over 100,000 copies, and he knows what he's talking about when it comes to writing book descriptions, working with Amazon, crafting wonderful, amazing ads that actually convert. And I'm so glad that he's here as a guest on our show. Welcome, Brian. Thank you, Asul. I really appreciate it. And it's always fun to talk to you. I'm I'm like, every time I talk to you, I'm like, all right, I love Azul, but what like brilliant wisdom can I kind of just like suck a little away from him? Because you're, you're just always, you're always dropping some uh, wisdom knowledge bombs. And so... <laughs> I'm just like, ooh, I'm here to talk, but hey, maybe I can pick up something amazing. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're too kind. So, you know, I, a lot of people may not know exactly um, you as an author, so this is a good chance to get sure. them to know you. You're one of the few authors I know who does so well in both nonfiction and fiction and can speak to both audiences. So this is a real treat. So if you are a fiction writer, tune in, listen in, because a great deal of his work has helped many fiction authors. And if you're a nonfiction author, this is exactly where you should be to learn about how you can get your book uh, descriptions elevated to the right place, as well as understand why it matters in creating traffic towards your book and paying attention to it once it's released on Amazon. So, Ryan, let's dive right in. So let's talk a little about your your journey as an author so people know how you got here, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the work you're doing to get authors more eyes on their books. Sure. Well, I, I wrote fiction as far back as college, and I'm sure even in, in high school a little bit, and took fiction writing classes, was very interested in writing and screenwriting and playwriting and all of that. And when I kind of went out into the real world circa 2005, I knew that I was always going to have a challenge ahead of me, which was I was a great student, but not necessarily great at setting my own deadlines and writing when somebody was not telling me to write. That was that was always difficult for me because I, I just it was basically such a suck up teacher's pet, I guess. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I and I know you you are a longtime teacher, so I'm sure you <laughs> know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but when I had a couple years where I I wasn't able to put out after school where I wasn't able to put out much, I always less than my expectations. I I did start writing a blog that was an effort to help myself as a writer and to help other writers who were struggling. I knew I wasn't the only one. And so I, you know, wasn't necessarily able to speak on a lot of experience there, but I wanted to help wherever I could. And one thing I did have experience in was improv comedy. And so I actually funneled that improv comedy into blog posts about creative writing, creative writing prompts and story starters for people. A couple years into that, I heard about 
Kindle Direct Publishing on Amazon, and I was poor. So I said, hey, maybe if I throw together a hundred of my blog posts into a book, someone will buy it. And so I put that out and I was very happy with how that did. That was very early in the Kindle space. It was 2010. I was lucky to get in at, at an early point. And then I started writing, publishing more of my fiction. I started a novella that later became a, a seven book novel series. And that is the viral superhero series. And that was just so amazing to not just have this nonfiction out in the world. And I've kind of transitioned more to helping authors rather than just helping writers in general. But to be able to put both out kind of as you've mentioned, to be able to share the I can help you do things of nonfiction and to share the these are the characters living in my brain. Go play with them for a little while. <laughs> to be able to do both, it's been really special. It's been really a fun journey for me to take. And I love the, the fact that I have the background in both because I, I interact with authors from both sides of things on a daily basis. Right. You know, it's interesting. You, you Like a lot of authors, some people think that there's some really clear path to get there. And it, yeah. it, most of the time, you know, they just took a risk and put it out there. And they didn't know it would do well, or they didn't know if they could do it. And if they did it once, they didn't know if they could write another book. And yet so many authors that have been persistent and said, oh, I'm just going to try something this way, have found success by just being consistent and trying. So you, you obviously were successful in, in both nonfiction and fiction genre. Where does your joy come in the writing? Do you have do you have a preference for one or the other, or do you just enjoy them both equally? It's interesting. I think fiction, I enjoy having them written. Like, I enjoy when they're out more. And I think the nonfiction, I enjoy writing them more. Like, it feels like more of an accomplishment to write the fiction. I feel more like I reached something. I, 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 I challenged myself. Nonfiction, I'm fortunate. I know people struggle with different things. Nonfiction has always felt easier to actually write for me and to create that content. And that's always been part of me. I'm, I've always been split between wanting to entertain and wanting to educate. I recently did a talk at kind of the big self-publishing conference, uh, 20 Books Vegas, and I just loved being on stage and being, to being able to entertain and educate in equal measure because that is, that's my sweet spot. When I can do a little bit of both, it, is, it feels like I'm getting in touch with my true self. Oh, that's great. I love the edutaining part of this mm -hmm. as well. <laughs> that's great. Mm -hmm. So as you started to sell these books, obviously making the USA Today is a big deal and selling, you know, hundreds of thousands of copies of your books. What drew you to this idea of helping people kind of craft their, their descriptions, their messages of their book to really fine tune something new, which is, you know, you've went from being an author, which you still are, but to helping authors get their books sold. So let's talk a little bit about that transition. So you, you're writing books, you're publishing them, you're actually making some money, which is actually nice. And then you start to grow in your ability to, to help others. What was it that kind of gave you the spark that said, hmm, maybe I have something here that can help you? Well, it's interesting. I, uh, you had mentioned my podcast, The Sell More Book Show, which uh, as of recording this 
episode. It's 294 consecutive weeks. So a fair, a fair number of episodes. There. Yeah, that's great. Congrats. Thank you. I had started that with my co-host, Jim Kukrol. We're actually, I'm getting a new co-host because Jim's moving on to other things. But I started that before I was providing any services to authors, before I was doing any courses for authors, before I'd even written a book for specifically for authors. So it was interesting that that was kind of the first step in. But around the same time, I was in a mastermind group. And you know, we love our mastermind groups. (laughs) (laughs) And I had been doing freelance writing on the side. This writing had nothing to do with authors. It was just what I could find to pay the bills. And one of the people in my mastermind, Simon, who's now a a big YouTube star, funny enough, Hmm. but he suggested, why don't you try to mix these together? Why don't you try to take the freelance you're doing to make money and combine it with one of your passions, which is to help other authors like yourself, and you do freelance writing for authors? And I thought, oh, well, that's a cool idea. I had never really thought of it that way. And we kind of stumbled on the idea, well, let's write a very important piece of freelance writing for authors, which is their book description. Did some research on it. Within a week, I had a sales page up and I announced it on the podcast that I'd been, I'd been running for nearly a year at that point. And, you know, you strike a chord sometimes. Demand was very high. I priced it, I priced it very low and demand was very high which meant I was very busy for the next month because I <laughs> had 100 orders Wow! in the first 30 days. That's a pretty good and validation technique. Yeah, I would say I, I would say I let it fly. <laughs> yeah, not will it fly, you let it fly. That's all. Awesome. I let it fly. It flew. <laughs> <laughs> and how long has it been now? So how long have you been doing book descriptions for others? So uh, about, I think we're coming up on a four-year four-year anniversary here. Now it's me and a team uh, using my system because demand has remained pretty high. I I almost, it's funny, and, and the nonfiction slash service provider folks are, are probably going to laugh at this, but a couple years ago, the, the person who I'd been working with on them, she uh, left to go work on something else. And I was like, well, maybe I should just close down the company. I kind of just want to do courses anyway. And then I, I don't know if it was like the, the Pat Flynn in my ear, and this was pre the mastermind, but <laughs> I said saying double it. And I just said, okay, well, I'm not going to close it down. I'll just double prices and then demand is going to go way down. It didn't. And <laughs> so I doubled the prices and people stuck around. And then I said, well, I guess I should really get more help, found more people and kind of just continued on from there. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So let's let's tell people who are, who don't really understand. Maybe they maybe they even have a book out there. Maybe even there if they have a publisher, they are familiar with a book description. But what what is it? What are the elements that make the book description more useful in the way that you you provide value and how how do you structure it so that people actually pay attention because besides the cover, the description is the only way to know is this book for me as a reader. What is it that you notice that the the authors make their biggest mistakes in when they're putting their descriptions out there? And what are the things you can do to help them do better? 
Well, I think a lot of people don't realize what the book description is from the kind of the customer experience, the customer journey. How does a reader see it? And the reader often, if they've come to your page from a search or an ad, they've already looked at the cover. So they don't even look at the cover anymore. I've seen studies like uh, this guy, Michael Alvear, did a study on Romance University where they did a heat map on Amazon and saw that people, once they were on the page, didn't even look at the cover anymore, Hmm. which I just thought was so interesting. But they really looked at first the title, then the customer reviews. And so if you still have them at that point, but they haven't bought, they're like, all right, this this is a romance book. I love romance. Okay, there's reviews. The next and sometimes the last thing they'll look at is that book description. So the book description is kind of the closer. It's kind of your last chance to really get someone from on the fence to actually getting the book. So I think a lot of people need to realize that, oh, wow, this thing isn't just something I have to put on there to get my book published. It's not just the, oh, uh, I don't know what to write here. Just throw something in there and then move on and forget about it. It's this essential part. And when we're working on the essential part for other authors, we really think about kind of what's, what's the hook? What's the line that would go on the movie poster? What's the, what's the thing that is specific to that kind of genre? romance, like will they or won't they, like thriller, the world might explode kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. What is the hook for that particular book? And then we really, almost the rest of the time we spend on emotion. We spend on, and this is more for fiction than nonfiction, but it still plays in for nonfiction as well. How can we create an emotional bond between the character in the book if it's fiction, and and the author themselves, if it's nonfiction, and this reader. So it, it can't just be a straight up regurgitation of the plot or a list of the table of contents. There needs to be an emotional connection there. There needs to be, because everyone has heard this at this point, but it's not logic that sells things. It's emotion. Mm-hmm. And if if you can kind of take your potential reader on this kind of emotional journey during the book description. We don't look at it as like it's a piece of copy. It's a a story. You're telling this story. And if people can follow you on that emotional journey all the way through, they're a lot more likely to buy than if it's just like, oh, this has 40 tips. Here's a list of all the tips. It's not about that. It's, it's, It's about emotion. Right. I think that's important to know. So let, let's help people out. Let's say they have a description out there and they want to update it. What yeah. would be the simplest way for them to, to do that? What would be one strategy they can use to kind of get that emotional trigger or get the, the, the buyer to know that this book, since it's the closer, as you said, that this, this is for them? Well, on the fiction side, it's really about at any point, if you mention any plot whatsoever, It's not about the plot itself. It's about how the character is experiencing it. What does the character feel? How does the character react? What is the character going to do next? Because if you just have, hey, there's some character going through this world exploding thing, 
it actually has less impact than, hey, this character's husband might be in danger. Like that has one person being in danger from this character and how they feel about it makes so much more of an impact than just another, the world is going to explode situation. Right. So it's all about the character and what they're dealing with. And from the nonfiction perspective, it's a it's about making it so you you need to know as the reader that this person's worth their salt, that this person is going to do things for you that will take your life to another level. It can't just be that here's this book. It speaks for itself. It needs to be, hey, this person has 20 years of experience doing that thing. And they're not just going to get you out of debt. They're going to get it so you can take that vacation, so you can spend more time with your kids. So, I mean, if you want to, <laughs> to I do, and I know you do, but to just go in the direction of showing the reader, not telling them, showing them that they're going to be taken care of and they're going to have a better shot at getting what they want. And so... It's very different on the fiction and the nonfiction side. But at the same time, that unifying thing is to think about where the reader is when they're coming onto your sales page on Amazon. And if you can give them just this taste of this emotional journey, whether it be fulfilling their entertainment desires or their education desires, you're going to do a lot better. Right. So in regards to getting these books seen more, so you also have done great teachings on things about Amazon ads. How important is if you're setting up ads for the description to help the ads do its job, which is not just get attention. If people have great ads, but don't have a great description, does that hinder their opportunity? And if so, what, why would an ad look different or act differently than a description? Absolutely. So We talk a lot about Amazon ads. I'm a big fan of, kind of goes back to everything I was saying, making the the customer's journey easier. I know you can run ads from platforms like Facebook or Instagram or BookBub, but running ads to Amazon customers on Amazon so they can buy books on Amazon is just the simplest path because they don't have to go anywhere else. They're already there. so. That's kind of the first part of it. But when you are running those ads, whether it be Amazon, whether it be Facebook, wherever, when they get to your page, a certain percentage of them are going to buy, even if it's 0.0001, which is usually only the case if if the book is uh, not in good shape. But they have uh, they have the opportunity to buy or they have the opportunity to go away. And usually when you make sure that that book description is stellar, you will get a higher percentage of them to buy. Now, this is the interesting part. This is the step, Azul, that 99% of authors skip. It drives me a little crazy, but I'm, I'm, it's okay. I mean, I love, I love you out there. I really do. But 99% of authors don't do this first, and it's because they, they don't necessarily know any better. And it is to kind of establish, well, what percentage of people buy right now? Hmm. How many people out of 100 clicks to the page, 
how many people would buy the book as it is right now? People hear about marketing methods, they hear about blurbs, they hear about new cover designers, and they say, you know, I don't think the book's doing so well. I, I feel like it's time to make a change. There's a problem in there. there. There's think, there's feel. If you run ads, which you can track the number of clicks on, you can track how much money you spent, you can actually really, it's not so complicated to figure out I spent $20 on ads. I made $30 in book sales. That's a profit because the royalties are bigger than the ad spent. So that's good. A lot of authors will never take that step. There's the how many clicks does it take, which is, as I've heard it called, conversion rate. How many clicks does it take to convert a new customer? And usually, if you have kind of a, a book that's priced in the middle of the industry, $2.99, $3.99 for an ebook, $9.99, $12.99 for a paperback. If you can sell one book for every 10 clicks, usually you're in pretty good shape. If it takes only five clicks, you make more money. If it takes 20 clicks, there's a chance you might not profit. Now, I think where we lose people here is having to tap their writing brain into their math brain. <laughs> right. Never the never the two shall meet, but that is where we need to go as a community because you know this well and I know you tell your clients this, you're not just publishing your master work. It's a business. You are now a small publishing company. And therefore, you need to look at metrics. You need to think about business. And this is the kind of thing that most people will never look at. They will never say, you know, I made that change. How is the book converting right now? But if we could get more people to do that, they would know without guessing, without thinking. They would know I need to make a change because. It takes me 30 clicks to get anyone to buy my book. That's a problem because Brian said so. Let's make some changes. Right. I think just the overall picture of authors who are self-published or even traditionally published must think sure. of themselves as a small business, at least from the very beginning, because it's not magic. Books aren't sold through some magic sauce or through the sauce of this is the best book. It should sell more than a book that's not good. And that's just not the way it works. So I'm glad you're helping people understand that one, they should measure their outcomes by knowing how their books are selling. And two, if they do any efforts towards that using ads or anything else, even changing description, observe any changes in their purchases behavior. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because hey, it isn't the best book ever that wins. It's the book that's best marketed to that particular genre of readers. Right, right. And all of us have read books. We're like, oh, that was okay. We're okay mm -hmm. even with a book we paid two ninety nine for if it was okay. If it were bad, we might be bummed. But even then, eh, we get a bad book every once in a while. But the books that aren't known, you can't even make those judgments about. Yeah. And that's really a troublesome yeah. because so many authors give up when they probably have a decent product or a decent book and they don't see a lot of traction on one. So then they just stop doing it. And a lot of it is getting comfortable with knowing the business behind authorship. So let's talk, if you have maybe an example of somebody who had maybe had a book that was out that wasn't maybe performing to what they wanted, 
And then they did some adjustments, whether to, to an ad or to a description. And how did you see that shift their ability to sell more books or get attention to the books they have out in the world? Sure. Well, I've definitely seen a lot of authors who didn't know the profit <laughs> situation whatsoever. Amazon doesn't always make it easy. I have had authors who have come in and said, I, I, I know one author in particular, I don't want to name anybody that doesn't want to be named, but there's an author who uh, was at one of my recent five-day Amazon ad profit challenges, a, fr- a free challenge that I do. And she's doing quite well for herself, making uh, $3,000 to $5,000 a month. And I'm just honored when, when someone who's already doing quite well comes into one of my challenges. And she said she had looked at her past numbers, like learning how to look at these numbers, to look at these profits had uh, now, now she knew, well, how can I go back and evaluate what I had? And she realized that she had actually turned off some ads that were performing well, but she didn't know how to read the numbers. She, the numbers are very wonky on, on the Amazon ad dashboard, and it can look like you have ads that aren't performing very well. And she had actually turned off ads that could have made her thousands in additional dollars. So her book was already set up pretty well for success, but because she didn't know kind of those basics of conversion and profit, she had a good product that was already set up with, uh, with all the right things, but she wasn't able to capitalize on it because she just didn't, didn't know what she didn't know. I think that's a great example of somebody who's can benefit from just the smallest tweaks or understanding. You know, you've spent hundreds of hours, maybe thousands of understanding all this and seeing obviously thousands and thousands of book descriptions and these things matter. So yeah, what do you see in Amazon? There's lots of things happening and there's lots of shifts going on. And what, what do you see as a trend in, in Amazon that you think is going to hinder or maybe cause challenges for people who aren't paying attention to this kind of? descriptions and paying attention to what's happening and working in Amazon for their books? There's always so much changing. There's always a lot. I feel like it's really great to keep tabs on things. It's one of the reasons I do a a, a news show because there's always things that are kind of moving in different directions, whether it be there's a new interface or a new way of creating the ads. But I'll tell you, The thing about what could hinder people is really a matter of, well, if people keep creating books at the rate that they're creating them, if people keep finding out more about marketing, they're learning, they're growing, the bar keeps getting raised, right? You kind of talked about the unknown author with the great book that nobody will ever find out about. Yeah. Well, more and more of those are going to happen because there just simply are more and more books being created. And I think that that really just goes to show that if you want to sell books for whatever reason, you have a message, you have a story, you have these characters in your brain, 
for whatever reason, you need to at least keep up with this stuff because if you have, and I see this from time to time, I'm sure you see this, if you have the cover that looks like it's from 2016, it's not going to do as well as a book that has the cover from 2019 and 2020. If you have a book description that's just thrown up there rather than as it's becoming more and more clear that this is important, if you have the book description that doesn't look very professionally done versus the one that is, versus the one that kind of follows the right things, then you are going to kind of be left behind a little bit. You're kind of, you're more likely to be unknown. And that's, that's a shame because I think that the information is out there. The information, it, and it's not always like hire a service or take a course. A lot of the information is publicly available on Google and on Facebook groups and whatnot. And it's just a matter of finding that and tapping into the community and making sure, hey, this book is marketed to the year that it's being published in, right? <laughs> to the year that it's being marketed in. And that's tough. That's scary. And I get that. But I think that if more authors learned that, if more authors understood that, I think that they would have more success. Yeah, that's great. What's in the horizon for you as far as books? Are you are you jumping back in writing books? Or are you focused more on your business to grow the books? Where's your passion lie? Because you know, I always ask people where their play space is, where are they actually trying something new or pushing themselves. Do you have a, a book on the horizon or some ideas of play that you'd like to do when you're not diving into other people's books descriptions or helping them with ads? No, I, I think that's a great question. And I was actually, I've been feeling some urges to get back into fiction, you know, some urges. Um, I've, been <laughs> feeling, I've been feeling some urges, but I might do it kind of on a low key scale. Like I'm not necessarily trying to make a million dollars, like just trying to maybe put some fiction out into the world, maybe in a short story kind of way, see, like scratch that creative itch. I do get a lot of creative fulfillment out of teaching. I love doing these challenges because there's a lot of interaction. I love community. I love when not just, I'm kind of a matchmaker. I can honestly say I have set up one marriage (laughs) And I have another one that could be on the horizon. So I'm, I'm feeling a little bit like a matchmaker, but I like matching up people in the community with other authors who maybe write in their genre or who with other authors who are maybe at the same level so that they can connect, so that they can interact, so that they can commiserate, so that they can celebrate. Hmm. And so I've gotten to do that in some of the free challenges I've put out. And so I love being able to play in the worlds of fiction and I love being able to play with different characters. But at the same time, I also think, well, I'm pretty lucky that I get to play with people's lives in a positive way and set them off on maybe a better path. Right. That's awesome. So I'm sure plenty of people were thinking, I'm sure my book description couldn't even improvement. I'm certain I don't know what I'm doing, but where could they find more about you? Where could they learn to connect with you? Maybe even participate in this free challenge. 
tell them the name again of your podcast as well as where they can find you online. Absolutely. And so my podcast is the Sell More Book Show that's going on every Wednesday morning. But the challenge is definitely my baby right now. It's definitely the place I I want people to go check out. I am doing another challenge in January. It's another iteration of my five-day Amazon ad profit challenge, which just has one goal, one profitable ad in one week's time. That's it. Nothing crazy. I'm not telling you you're going to shoot the moon and have wild, crazy success. One profitable ad in one week. And that's what we'll all be doing together as a community. That's at bestpageforward.net forward slash challenge. So bestpageforward.net forward slash challenge is where you'll be able to sign up to that totally free. You're going to see me answering like 50,000 questions there because (laughs) it gives me some energy to do so. And that will be kind of a, I think that's the best place to hang out with me currently. Awesome. We'll definitely put that in the show notes as well as a link to your podcast. Brian, thank you so much for coming here, giving value. I know people who are already authors are thinking about their book descriptions and about making it more profitable, as well as people who are thinking about launching a book about how much they have to think about their metrics and things behind their book if they want their book to be successful. Thanks for being a guest. As always, it's a pleasure. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you too, Azul. Thank you for having me on. Join me again for another interview for great authors who talk about their story, how they got there, and why they feel like they're born to write. Please subscribe to this podcast, leave an honest review, and you can always find me at coachazul.com.